Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Donald Mowat. He's a makeup artist best known for his work on Prisoners, Blade Runner 2049, and Sicario. I had him on the show today to talk about his work on the Oscar-nominated film Dune. Dune is currently available on HBO Max, Blu-ray, and DVD, and VOD. Hope you enjoy the show. Oh, and um, I did get a chance to catch up on Coda, something that Donald recommended towards the end of the show. And man, he was right. That's a hell of a movie. So check out Dune, check out Coda. I I think you'll enjoy both those. Thanks. Hello. Hey, there we go. <laughs> how are oh, you tonight? hey. I thought I missed you because I'm on my hang on. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just the, the normal technical difficulties, which have been the nature of the last two and a half years, man. So trying to uh, get things worked out I, over here. Okay. I was checking on my computer. So is my phone okay? Is that all right? No, this is perfect. This actually sounds really good. So you're you're good to oh, go. Oh, good. Okay. I'm wondering Thanks. if I should plug my phone in because I feel like I've been on set all day that I'm dangerous. <laughs> close to i'm very sunburned too so you have to bear with me um i wonder if i should get my let me just get it just in case yeah yeah that's totally fine maybe we're okay all right how are you doing you're good i'm good i'm good how are things in spain right now the weather appears to be lovely right now you know what today we're it's we're in the mountains and it's it's really funny i shouldn't complain i mean it's like la weather but it's very windy and you kind of, um, you start the day very cold and then hot and I'm so wind burned. I'm a little bit, um, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. I'm a little bit, it's overwhelming because there's no cover. Mm-hmm. There's no cover and you're in the mountains. So it's a bit wild and anyway, um, but it's okay. Well, it's very we're- similar climate. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. So it's very similar right now, this time of year where it's very cold in the morning, there's a 40 degree shift in temperature, you know, 40 degrees overnight, 80 degrees in the day. So yeah, I'm absolutely used to you know. it right now. So it's that thing of your skin, you feel kind of flushed and anyway. Well, see, I have the same redness that you do right now. And instead of being windburned, I like to think that it makes me look like I have an active lifestyle. That there I'm you go. <laughs> yeah, I've been like a billy goat all day. It's just been crazy. <laughs> We have two weeks to go, and I'm kind of happy to finish, to be honest. Oh, how was the uh, how's the production been now? How, how are things? Good. I mean, no phone service, and it's hard to get stuff done because we have a lot of there's like little makeup, not a lot. There's some doubles and stuff, but it's really hard to get one of the team members like to radio back or, you know, we got to do stuff. It's a little bit challenging, but it's not it's not a hard hard movie. Um, so, but I'll be very happy to finish. Unlike coming off of dune which i assume that had to be a challenging production just the scale of it of what you were doing on that job on yeah particular I, show I, scale of it but you know when you it's kind of i guess i hate that expression well-oiled machine but there's <laughs> something when you know all of the players you know mm-hmm. i know denise i know it was the first time i worked with greg but i felt like i knew him and he made it he did such an amazing job but you know patrice and the first time I worked with Jackie and, and Bob, but it does feel uh, a kind of, um, you know, like you sort of know who, what you're dealing with and what the obstacles might be. This is a little bit, I don't want to say cowboy or, or commando, but it is a little bit because it's an action picture. It's a Guy Ritchie movie. So yeah. it, it's, 
you know what I mean. But the makeups can catch you off guard because you're doubling, you've got stunt guys, you've got, you know, beards and hair and stuff like that. But I'd say on Dune, what I loved about it was that you feel very comfortable in that I, I think I know what Denis is looking for. Mm-hmm. But there's not that expectation or anticipation of going, Shh, you know, what do I do? You know, or what do we come up with? Um, maybe I wouldn't feel like that if it were the first film with him. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? So, yeah, so that's, yeah. And and that, that makes sense. I wouldn't have thought about that in that way, that when you have something that's that big, that makeup is such a concern for it, that you were thinking mm-hmm. that through because it's clearly going to be something that's a part of, it's part of every production, but mm-hmm. that's, you know, on the top line of the agenda of everything that you have to get right on it. Mm-hmm. And in something like an action movie, that's a little bit that it might not carry as much weight. It might be something that's not as thought through in that same way, even though for you, it might be, but for everybody else that's pulling behind mm-hmm. that, it's not something that um, is thought out like that. And I, one of the things I love about your work, is, you know, I look at something like Prisoners or I look at something, these smaller dramas, these kind of things, mm-hmm. that your work is oftentimes invisible, that it's, mm-hmm. it's, you can't see it there. And then with something that's spectacle, it's a, it's a focus of mm-hmm. it. And is there a side of that that you prefer to work on or? Well, I mean, I, I'm glad you're asking because it's come up so much recently, maybe because of Dune. And I think the invisible or, you know, bait people, I don't know, based on reality. It's something I've, I've tried my whole life because Denis and I talk about it sometimes when you think of films he likes or films I like, and and we don't always agree. You know, he's got his favorites, I have mine, but there are certain films that, you know, everyone is kind of universal. You know, um, the other day I was thinking, I'd had a conversation with an old friend of mine talking about films, like whether they're your favorites or not, that, you know, as a kid, you know, when, you know, The Godfather came out, that it was... Yeah. It was, it had never been done before. It had never been done. So I use that as a reference, Al Pacino, his makeup, his makeup in itself. And in fact, Damien Chazelle used it for me as a reference for Ryan Gosling in First Man. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. And, and Denis and I have used, you know, not only Blade Runner 2049 and going back to other things, but, Mm -hmm. you know, Think of like I thought of Clint Eastwood for Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It's a strange thing. No, 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 no. It, it makes sense it, if you think yeah. of the characters and kind of the man, the silent guy walking across this barren landscape. It makes perfect sense to me, actually. Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun for me, and it's my own way of, you know, we all have our thing. I mean, Roger and I talk about it because on Prisoners, I, I felt like. Yeah, they're films that the makeups are, they need to be invisible. And that was the biggest challenge. Prisoners was really hard. It was unbelievably hard because I felt like um, it was my first film for Denis. And and to be fair, I really only, well, I got the job because one, Roger and his wife, James, they really introduced me and recommended me to Denis. Hmm. So that's kind of a great reference. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. Good reference. And of course, Donald and producers on the film who knew me. And I'd worked with a number of the actors, you know, Melissa Leo and, and Paul Dan. I'd worked with a few of them before, uh, Terrence Howard. It just happened. So it was like this perfect alignment. And then Roger said, you know, you should check him out. And that's what happened. But 
the the first time I think we did a camera test with a few of the actors and Paul Dano being one of them, I really did think this is the moment because everybody was looking at the screen, looking at this makeup test. And I thought, oh my God, I have never been in the hot seat in my entire life like I was on that film. And it was really hard. And I think everybody felt for me because it wasn't a disaster, but it wasn't triumphant either. And I remember going back to the hotel going, God, am I going to get fired or what's going to happen here? Yeah, it was a really big moment. It wasn't a disaster at all. But, you know, we're talking about a a character like Paul Dano in Prisoners. And yes, we no one had decided. what. So could I go further? And I think that's what we decided. But it had to be so real that everyone kept talking about it. That not that it frightened me. I felt I could rise to the challenge. But that the entire company was expecting like a documentary on a pulpy, beat up face. And I was like, well, wait a second here, guys. Not one person here has to recreate something except me. Mm-hmm. No one going to be held to the same standard, I'm sorry to say. And that's where I became a little bit kind of uh, a little bit self-righteous, thinking nobody has to stand, no other department has to really go under the, the microscope as we do. And that's actually quite truthful. And so by the time I got to Dune, uh, things like the Baron, things like Dave Batista, those makeups have to be real yeah. in this. Everyone's looking at it, but it is, it's kind of interesting that other departments don't really, everybody knows what that is, but for some reason, people really do believe you have to believe it, even though it's still a film. No, it's, and, well, yeah. it, it has to, to me, it's like anything else where it has to support the story. It has to support the performance. It has to support the shot. Yeah. All these things have to work in concert together. And if anything is calling attention to itself, and that's not the design of the scene or the moment, that can pull you out of it. And I think that's what is really beautiful about Dune and why it's getting recognized the way it is. And congratulations for the recognition on this. Because oh this Thank movie you. feels so lived in for what it is. It feels mm-hmm. it, 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 it real is the word that we use, but it's not, it, it's, there's no barrier between the makeup mm-hmm. design and accepting this as a world, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it because I think we, we try so hard. I know Denis, I mean, look, he, he's, the director and producer and co-writer. I mean, but every aspect of I me, mean, he's his his he's all over it. Every aspect, every department, every decision. I mean, there's there's nothing without his signature kind of on it. So there are many aspects of, of that I love that he leaves me to kind of run it and do my thing. But I also know when I need to go to him and say, I think I need you to check this. And and other times he he leaves me to my own devices, which is, is great. But there are times I really need his guidance to say, I, I'm not sure here. Uh, do I go further? And and I love that about Dune because um, the Baron was, he, he challenged us to go a bit further because the initial concept, I think then the very first one, I don't think he loved right away. I had to work harder. At, it was a little bit um, because it was trying to be real or authentic of creating a guy that was gorilla-like. Because Patrice had done these 
you know, he does this incredible book that we all follow. He sort of takes the lead and we follow uh, with, you know, costume and makeup and every other department. But I looked at something that made me think before the whole Marlon Brando thing was sort of gorilla like and creating a man with a chest, like a bigger barrel chested, we talk about, and a neck. But when the first concept happened and started thinking about Stellan, it didn't quite, Denis was like, it needs to, there's something. And when we talked about uh, about Apocalypse Now, and I thought of, of Di- uh, Island of Dr. Moreau, that tweak, Denis kind of liked that because that became more real, that there was a menacing but also slightly over the top that we could then bring it back a little. And of course, Stalin will do anything. I mean, <laughs> Stalin is what is it's incredible because he's so into it that you know that you can take it. And I love that with Denis because you can throw it at him and go whole hog with everything and then bring it back. He always has you bring it back, but at least you try it. Oh, well, isn't that a better feeling than to just swing with everything? And then moving back from that position, I feel like is a much easier or more manageable position than saying, no, we need more. We need more. We need more. Like, why not swing for the full vision and how, okay, let's go all the way out and see how weird we can get. And okay, we need to pull this in a little bit. Without his guidance and his, his really, I mean, he's one of the few directors. A lot of people would have gone a little bit out there. I mean, and it's not a bad thing for certain films. I mean, I just wouldn't be on them because there's a type of film where you could go. I mean, Josh Brolin's the one that really comes to mind because the first, I think before we did camera test, I called Josh and we'd worked together before, but I didn't know what to do. I mean, we started mm-hmm. from storyboards to photographs of Josh. I went a little bit out there. I thought of blonde hair and scars, but what do you do with Josh? He's worked with every great makeup designer and all these big makeups you know like big oh yeah huge yeah and how do you have like what do you do for that and you think could you not maybe try something just a little bit more you and again and josh that took a minute but he he liked the idea denise certainly did but i felt that was a great example of that with josh because when i looked at um it was so great. And Christian did that with the mouth, you know, um, the Western. Um, oh, I'm just, I'm having a senior moment, you know, where they, they drew his mouth up with a wire. Um, right. Um, oh my God. Anyway, <laughs> in Santa Fe. So when I looked at that, collaging all those things, I went, okay, where are we going to put a scar on him? He's had one in every film. You're kind of, you've done it. It's like a tattoo. And so when I went back to this First World War, it was a film, a German film of a German officer. And it struck me. And that's what I went back to Denis with. And there was also a hockey player. It's a Swedish or a Canadian hockey player with a really interesting scar from a skate. You know, when those, you have this yeah. horrific that you see. And, and that drew everybody's attention because it's so precise. But it's a really horrible thing to happen where somebody gets sliced like that and that's where we started and that's when josh said do you really think so and i went yes and we're going to cut your hair off and we're not doing anything weird to it you're just going to be like this and josh was like that's so simple and i went but that's the point and that was it you know i think that mentality 
that way of handling this scale is what makes Denis so unique that he looks at this material and thinks, no, no, we can pull this in. It's almost like an independent film approach to it where it's a more Mm -hmm. grounded way of doing it where, but it's not, you know, you have all the resources in the world. You can go as far as you want to, but just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And that, that restraint that you feel is something that I think makes the films that he's made. They're, Mm-hmm. they're different they're unique and i think that's a big part of that and they have such a interesting look to all of them well i i mean i appreciate it and i think to some extent i guess for some of us it would be very hard there's occasionally films that i've seen where i think god I'm, they better never <laughs> I, um, but that's why we're all different and we all mm-hmm. work on different films and and there's you know uh, you know, where people have funny ears or, you know, funny feet. And I think, God, they're never going to call me not a million years. Um, but that's the beauty of what we do is, is people who are great at different things, you know, very stylized or, you know, uh, I don't know. Recently I watched, I don't know, it was on television late one night was Priscilla queen of the desert. And I thought, oh, well, God. I what a great film. What a great it's film. It's very old now, but you kind of go, it still holds up. And you think, well, I'd never work on that, but <laughs> I I think when you see it or even Muriel's wedding, you know, when I see those films, I think that that's brilliant. It's in what they're doing, but we all do what we do. So I'm I'm very thankful for, for Denis and the type of films he makes and the people he assembles. No, absolutely. And um, there's for people with my particular taste, um, I'm very appreciative that there are things or stories that are being told on the scale in this way, mm-hmm. because I feel like there is an element of it that is very, um, as modern as his films are, they are, they do have a older sensibility to them. They have a classic sensibility to them. If that sure. makes sense. Yeah. What I just, I'm just curious. I mean, what other films did you like this year or love this year? Oh, wow. Well this year, uh, 2022 or because it's when yeah. I, just came out of it's kind of all over the place so like out of sundance i love there's this film called emergency that i absolutely loved where it's a film that's a it's a broad comedy on the surface mm-hmm. but it's really a impactful and deceptively um complex story about race and mm-hmm. about kind of it's just a really brilliant little movie um that just floored me. There's also this little thriller I saw called alone with you that I mm-hmm. really dug. So it's, I, I tend to gravitate towards really, if there's a way to do a film with two people in a room, then that's probably the version yeah. of the movie that I like. Sure. sure. How about no, you? What, what have you seen that with it? Has, uh... Well, I loved, I mean, for me, I saw a lot of films this year. I did. Go, I was lucky enough to be invited to Middleburg and I loved, I had a great time. You know, I, I loved, I loved, I didn't love it. It was just disturbing, but it was interesting with Spencer. And oh, yeah. And I yeah. thought she was, and Flea from oh Denmark. God. Yes, yes. That was so, I, so I, good. I just can't stop thinking about it for a number of reasons, especially what's happening right now, or like right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I felt it was also addressed a lot of issues. So I, I was, it was just so different. And, different unique and and needed so that you know that was another one but like and red rocket i thought was just interesting and different so i'm like you i like different things and smaller uh um 
things that not everybody saw and smaller films. So that's certainly Red Rocket and I guess Spencer and Coda. Oh, Just, Coda. I need yeah. to see that. I have not seen Coda yet. And I, I need to yeah. remedy that immediately. Everybody tells me that's a film I need to see. Yeah. But Flea for me was just something that I, you know, it's, uh, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And just to see what other people are working on and what's, what's happening out there. Cause we don't always get to. No, but then on the other side of it, there's like something like the new Elvis movie. That, that, that has me excited. I, I want to see that. You know, I like seeing things on that scale and that size. So it's not consistent for me. I, I'm absolutely on board for some big, you know, kind of spectacle that's out there. It's, right. you know, a visionary like Baz, it's impossible <laughs> for me not to be interested. So, right. And then I'm wondering if... Uh... Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. If you live in Arizona, you know, Bookman's there's six locations and it's by far one of the best places to go. If you're looking for books, vinyl, movies, instruments, video games, home decor, or really anything else. It's a great place to start when you're looking to support a local store in the community. It's a one-stop location for arts, culture, and entertainment. In fact, I went there this week uh, looking for some David Lynch. I've been on a big David Lynch kick lately. I got the Twin Peaks box set from my brother-in-law this year, and I've been revisiting that. And when I got that, I realized there's quite a few holes in my uh, collection where there's a lot of his stuff that I don't have. And I went there thinking, well, there's so many of his movies that I don't have. I'm sure there's a chance I'll find something. And wouldn't you know it, I went in and found a blu-ray copy of the criterion disc of Eraserhead, which was pretty much the top of the list of the david lynch films that i wanted to get that in inland empire they had it right there for it so i was able to pick that up this week and i was so excited and i'm something i'm going to be able to share with my wife because she's never seen it and i'm sure she's going to hate me for it when i actually show her this film because if you haven't seen Eraserhead, um it's definitely not for everyone um david lynch is one of those filmmakers who makes films that for the most part um, are for a very specific type of audience but then every once in a while he would do something like the straight story which is this rated g film about a guy driving across texas i think maybe it's oklahoma i can't somewhere flat um, driving across the country on a tractor and then or he'll do the elephant man and he does these completely straight normal um, middle of the road films but then it seems like most of the stuff that he is known for is the blue velvet side of things he's known for twin peaks and you know inland empire that i mentioned before and these bizarre surreal fever dream uh fever dream logic type films and one of my favorite filmmakers and i was able to put one of my favorite films of his on my wall into my collection because I stopped by Bookman's this week and it's something that if you go to Bookman's you'll realize immediately that Bookman's has your cool covered. Get back to the interview. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Um, if you have in mind that moment of you're, you have you have the nomination this year and do you have the the speech written in your mind yet do you have this is it something that you have the people thanked that you need to thank because i i feel like we you it, there has to be an intense pressure of getting that right 
even though in our in the history of all Oscar speeches, we remember a handful of them for the ones that either went really well or went really poorly. And I think most of us, they just, they land right in the middle somewhere. Well, I'm not really superstitious, but I feel like, you know, I, I just feel it's been a very, um, it's cliche and maybe it's sentimental. Maybe it's even saccharine. I guess, you know, the award is the nomination and all of that, but I, okay, here's my thought on it. I I don't (laughs) want to, and I'm very happy and I'm really honored and, all of that goes without saying. And it took a long time. I mean, it's yeah. it's my first one. And I've been an Academy member a very long time. And, and I've been an executive committee member. And a lot of people are surprised. And, and I, I was, it never, I never really thought about it because I just like to work. The truth of it is I've worked for 35 or 36 years. And I had a moment because I'm working with people I know. And, and when I got nominated, people were talking about it. People said, this is going to happen. And uh, the first few people that called me that said, this is a long time coming. And there was a lot of that. And one of the first calls I had, well, Jake Gyllenhaal was with me. We were, and I completely lost my cool because he kept, te- because he kept saying <laughs> prisoners. And I went, Jake, stop it. And then Mark Wahlberg called me and he FaceTimed me. And it was a very moving experience because I was with him when he was nominated for The Departed. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And Mark called me and FaceTimed me. And it was very moving for me that I felt a lot of people were rallying that this is more a lifetime thing because I feel like I'm suddenly getting up there. Like I've been doing it for so long. And it was been a hard year, not just for COVID, but in general, a lot of things happened. Um, and I love working, but what I realized, and this is where it is sentimental, but I've been working for 35 or 36 years. And, you know, I've made my living as an adult, my entire living doing what I love to do, working in feature films. It's amazing. And I feel like that's, that's the award. Now that's corny, but that's true because I don't know many people who can say that. So I guess whether you write or you, dance or act or people who paint but whatever you do to get to do what you love to do for 35 years and get paid to do it and i've actually paid my rent pretty much for 35 years that's kind of the oscar isn't it like yeah it's it's i agree it's if you most of us are incredibly fortunate if we find something that we're passionate about and we can do yeah. it for one hour a month. If we find something that we can just do occasionally that we can throw our hearts into That's that right. a lot of us don't have that, even that then to find that thing and to pay your bills doing it, that's completely rarefied air to breathe. So that's something yeah. that's re- yeah, that's yeah. a very special thing. And I think that's why all these people are rallying behind you. Cause you are, you have this disposition because you see it that way. You don't see that this is something that you were overlooked and missed. And even though I think there were several times where you deserved the nod, I thought you were going to get it last year. Honestly, um, I thought that you did great work with uh, Jared. I thought that that was, I, I, I had that. Honestly, I thought that that was there. That was something that should have been there, but that's just me. You know, but you know how it goes. And, and to be really honest, I mean, I think that in all the years there have been choices and things that happen and you know, how a film goes and the wave of popularity or, how you fit in or how the film went or how people received the film. Sure. And I do know, for instance, I've been around when certain films came up and you think, what happened? Why didn't people see it? And, yeah. and 
And one thing with Denis and with this film, and I, I think I haven't brought it up to people, is he gives you something a lot of people can't do. Now, The Little Things was great because it was a small film and we had a great producer and Jared Leto insists on doing things and he wants to do <laughs> Yeah, very limited time and we did it on Blade Runner. But the thing with Denis, a lot of people don't realize, and, and to his credit, and Mary Parent is Mary Parent and Joe Caracciolo and all those guys at, at from Legendary and Warner Brothers let me, they kind of let me spend some money because many films are like, are you kidding me? Forget it. I mean, contact lenses, prosthetics, makeup, how many people do you want? And I think that the in the real world, people say, Donald, are you kidding me? Like this movie is like two makeup and two hair and that's it. And so for me to be able to work on a Denis Villeneuve film and say, guys, if I, if I'm going to do this for the Harkonnen for that big sequence, like for the Baron, we need five people to do that makeup. Yeah. So in all honesty, a practical makeup, maybe we brought, somebody said, you know, you guys brought a practical prosthetics makeup back into films, which hasn't been done for a while. I'm really, I'm privileged, my whole team, that we got to do that with 16 weeks prep for Ava and Luve and Oscar and Matthias and Hannah. And we brought sculptors from, I don't know, four countries and sculpted that suit, which took the ovens to for the foam, had to stay on 24 hours a day for four weeks. Oh, yeah, wow. it, fire hazard. People were, stayed up all night to build that foam suit and the silicone pieces yeah a lot of commitment and passion went into it and me with those eyebrow covers and dave batista and trying to figure out like all of it is just it's mind-boggling what people give to it and i think that denis allowed me something a lot i've been on a lot of films where we try to do it and they say look we can't do it They don't have the time, the money, the budget. And sometimes people don't realize that, that you would love to. I always think of a film like Moonlight, where they did beautiful makeup in a second. That's all they had. Did great makeup on Naomi Harris with no makeup test. And I had no makeup uh, test on Dave Batista, And I had a one day before on Javier Bardem. Mm -hmm. No makeup test. We never put him on camera. Javier Bardem, I never put on camera. I just worked with him on WhatsApp, uh-huh. pictures, a few Photoshop, made him up the day before, brought him to the set in the oh desert and showed him to Denis. Wow. And the makeup test I did, by the way, in Hungary, he looked a bit like Johnny Depp in one of those Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It was no bueno. <laughs> it didn't work. I, yeah. I went wrong with the head covering and the tattoos were in the wrong place. So by the time he came to Jordan, I had to think, and we just did it. And Javier was genius because he's like, it was like working with Albert Finney and Tom Courtney and the dresser. We just clicked and I did it. And I saw a guy in the street in, in Aqaba where we were shooting. And that was my, that's what it was. And I knew what I would do and Javier let me do it. That's amazing. Wow. Do you, do you find that, um, that sort of the pivoting that you find better work sometimes in that when it's, you have to make this quick, you don't have enough mm-hmm. time to second guess. And it's just the backs against the wall. I have to do something 11th hour. Absolutely. You have to be very brave. I think that we don't get a second chance. You just, 
And I think you learn that coming from, like you said, independent films. When I think of Moonlight, I really, I really thought, and I wrote to the, the makeup artist, I thought she did a great job because I had that on films, earlier films, things like The Fighter, where it was make or break because when Wahlberg produced that movie, I was doing Christian Bale and Amy Adams and Melissa Leo. We had no money. That yeah. film, I don't know, six weeks. Um, you figure it out. Like, how are we going to do this? Can we build teeth? Can we do this? Can we do that? And yeah, I, I think sometimes the best work is the work you do um, on the spur of the moment because you kind of have to and be brave. You just have to be brave. And you yeah. hope it works. Maybe too much planning isn't great, except for the Baron, because if we didn't have the 16 weeks, I don't think we'd be talking about this right now. <laughs> Probably not. It's just too big to be, it had to be really good or we'd be, it would be a disaster. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And, and I, I don't disagree with you. And I think it's that, that balance of those two things that is something that's so special and being able to work in both those ways is something that's pretty unique. And I think that's why people want to work with you and why you've had the career that you've had and that people will continue to work with you. And it's why you're one of those people that I follow that, um, that when I see your work, I'm always, I'm at the, I'm always interested in the projects you choose because you are attracted to good work. And I think good work has attracted you as well. Thank you. I think, I think that that really explains the nod more than anything else. Well, I appreciate that. It's very, it's a very exciting time. It's been a really good, it's really good. Well, I hope, I hope you get out of, Spain soon, and I hope you come out of there unscathed and uh, and that uh, <laughs> back to home. It's soon. great. I, it's good. It's a new. You know what? I like to try different adventures. It's interesting. Somebody asked me that the other day. I went, "Why not? Like, try it." I did a Michael Bay movie last year. How about that? Who knew? Yeah. You, you know, you you just have to see what everybody else is doing too. It's it's good. It keeps you fresh, and you try talk about working. You know, you have to really work quickly with him, oh. um, but. It's good to do. Keeps you fresh and you're always on your toes. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again and totally rely on muscle memory, I think that's when we we act we you know atrophy. We stop growing at that point. You have to continually challenge yourself in that way. Yeah, that's a great point. Muscle atrophy. Absolutely. Mental atrophy. There you go. Yeah, we stumbled into something at the end here. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate you uh, willing to being willing to reschedule this for me. Um, oh yeah, taking the time to do this out of your out of your Monday night. So thanks, man. I really do appreciate. My it. pleasure. Here we are. Yeah, no, it's great. Thank you. And at the very least, know that you have the bare minimum one person in Tucson, Arizona, pulling for you on the big night. So well, thank you. Thanks, Tucson. I haven't been there in a long time. That's wow. I'm trying to think, twenty years maybe. <laughs> what were do you, you love- here for? Is that where you're from? Uh, I've lived here for most of my adult life at this point. I was born and raised on the Eastern seaboard, but I've been out here so far, so long. This is my home now. Yeah. I was there when I was shooting years ago. We were doing three Kings in Arizona. I used to drive. Oh, that's right. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, the driving there is beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Especially where right. you guys were out. You were out really in the <laughs> middle of nowhere shooting that. So in that. Custom. Yes. In that. I'm that's close to, I actually live in Marana, which is very close to Casa Grande. It's about uh, 45 minutes from here, something like that. I have 
best memories of that. I have the best memories of that place. We had such a good time. It was such an easy, boy, the business was different then too. We all lived in a holiday. And can you imagine that would never happen today? Like George Clooney, Wahlberg, Ice Cube. We all lived in a holiday Inn in Casa Grande and went to a Chinese restaurant mm-hmm. that was so good and a, a movie theater. That, like it's just a life that doesn't really exist anymore. Does it in those towns? Yeah. I mean, and you got you got to see Spike Jones at that point in his career, and he was a it kid. Was his yeah, I mean, I remember you- started going with Spike Jones and Mark with Wahlberg to a a bar to have a drink, and I got carded at the bar, and I was all full of myself. Going, look, I got carded, and Mark said, "Don't be, don't be such an ass. They just want to know who you are. <laughs> How could they think you look so young?" I was like, wow. <laughs> that was pretty fun. That's and they great. got into a, I think they all got into a fight with don't people parachute? No, what do they do there? There's something parachuting or skydiving. There there is, yeah, there's skydiving there for sure. Yeah. So a lot of international people from France mm-hmm. and Germany. Yeah. yeah, and they fight with all the cast at the hotel. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Something happened. Uh-huh. I remember that. It's pretty funny. There were it was great times actually. It was one that used to be a lot of fun. Well, you you could uh <laughs> things weren't as transparent back then, for better or for worse. I mean, there there's elements of it the business have changed that are definitely for the positive, but that sort of things happening in a vacuum and being able to cut loose, I think that's almost all but gone, it feels like now. Yeah, it was just a different time. And it was just to be on location like that. It was just so much fun. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you were definitely out of the uh, out of the eye line. <laughs> Anybody you could get away with things out there, I'm sure. They they even got permission to shoot somebody who was a student. I guess Catherine Hardwick, who was our mm-hmm. she was our was she even our production designer at that point? She went on to become a director. They shot a kind of spoof film with a couple of producers' assistants, and they called it Three Queens. And they shot it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> you know what? Funny. I, I'm on board for a, a retelling of three kings, but told with uh, three queens in the role. I, I think that they're. Not, I'm not often a fan of remakes, but you know what? That's something I, I could I could get behind. So, there you go. Well, thanks for having. Of course, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. My really pleasure. Or thanks for the good wishes. Well, um, no, yeah, thank you, man. All right. Okay. Take, take care. care. Have a good night. All right. Bye bye. You too. Oh.